0: Well, good evening. Good evening, everybody. Wow. Can you, can you tell that I'm smiling? I'm smiling
1: too. As a matter of fact, I'm cracking open this Pabst beer as a celebration. And everyone's going to say, what are you celebrating? I'm, cel- I'm drinking the water. Cheers. I'm celebrating beer. There you go. Cheers. Cheers. Like that. So what have we got to celebrate today?
0: Well, uh, I just heard some amazing news from a couple of our really good friends that we've met thanks to what happened over the last three years. Yes. Uh, A couple of men that we may have never met, probably wouldn't have ever met. You are are absolutely correct. Yeah. So, Kerry, did you see that I posted something? uh, One of those uh, little carrots I posted on the Facebook page. Big news, huge news, a great win for the Freedom Movement. Yeah, I saw that.
1: And then did you see how many people replied back to that? Four. No, no, no. There's like 4,000. Four thousand people viewed it. Wow, amazing! I will tell you. I will look at the stats on that. How long do you want to drag this out before we let the cat <laughs> out of the bag? At least ten more minutes. I have to finish this beer.
0: <laughs> no. I think we should get to it right away. I it we is should. now. Yes, 24 As you, one... I don't know if you noticed, Kerry, but we started this live at two 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 two. Wow, that's impressive. That on purpose. Okay. And Make a wish. Uh, Yeah, so we have uh, the 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 opportunity to do a quick Chris and Carrie show this evening, which we haven't done in quite some time. So that's awesome. We also got to spend some time in Calgary, uh, meeting some new people earlier today, and that's then right. I get home and I get this wonderful news. So, you know what? I'm not going to do what everybody else does and drag it on for hours and hours and then say, I won $2 on a scratch ticket.
2: <laughs>
0: you know let's uh, let us let the cat out of the bag. So I'm going to bring on two amazing Gentlemen who just did some amazing work and a huge service for the people of Alberta who have endured some absolute and utter BS over the last three and a half years now. So please welcome to the Chris and Carrie show our good friends, Mr. Leighton Gray and Mr. Jeffrey Rath. Yay! Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Good evening.
1: And Jeff just Jeff looks like a giant orb, but that's
2: <laughs> he's like the wizard of oz you know he's hiding behind the big oh, <laughs> screen
3: man
1: okay so how, no. do, how do you want Who
3: to do the honors well i'd like to kick off and thank my friend layton gray for working with me over the last three years yes. in winning the ingram case Woohoo!
2: Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs>
3: Wait a minute. Now,
0: of
2: course, people will
1: say, what does that really mean? Like what what was the Ingram case, et cetera, et cetera? So oh, there's Jeff. There he is. Hey, Look Jeff. At that.
2: Looking good. <laughs> Before we get going, I want to show everybody I've got my APP sweatshirt on. Oh, it looks very good. So, very nice. We're in, we're in the team colors.
1: Everyone should be wearing that. And uh and I might as well. Are sport we still this
3: on the air?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I've got on. uh said the Coots Boys shirt on too. Which I'm, I'm uh, may, We may end up talking a little bit about that, but let's don't steal the thunder of this one because this is huge. This is huge. Yeah, yeah. Go, Jeff, go do ahead. Wanna,
2: do that. you want to explain about the, what the case is all about?
3: Yeah, well, uh, both myself and uh, my good friend, Mr. Gray, uh, represented clients who were challenging the legality of all of the ridiculous Hinshaw orders yeah. that... Um, uh, we're bedevilling this province you know for the last number of you know through you know throughout the throughout the pandemic. you know, like brilliant things like telling us how many friends we're allowed to have uh, you know closing down otherwise viable businesses and putting you know people out of work and bankrupting businesses. Um, uh, what were some of the other really stupid uh, orders that we telling oh, you of churches closure of businesses like had. Rebecca
2: Ingrams, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know, closing down businesses like Rebecca's, shutting down churches, um, you know, all of the horrible human rights abuses that we all suffered, um, you know, throughout the pandemic. Well, Justice Romaine of the Court of King's Bench has ruled that every single one of those silly orders was illegal every one of those orders was against the law wow. the fancy the fancy Latin phrase that was that's that's used is to say that the orders were ultra vires, uh, section 29 of the Public Health Act um, which is what Rebecca Ingram um, has, uh, has been arguing from day one yep. which is to say that every single order issued by Dina hinshaw was in fact illegal so every order What's that every single order that was issued by dana hinshaw was illegal because she was not making the decisions as the chief medical officer of health she was um deferring her delegated authority to cabinet and in effect having cabinet make the decisions she would go into cabinet with a, in effect what we referred to in court as a cocktail menu because she was dealing with cocktail cabinet and she'd go in um with a, a list of a list of cocktails and the cabinet would simply select from the drinks menu as to what it was that they wanted her to do, and then they would decide and they would tell her what to do. Well, that's not legal under the terms of the Public Health Act, and that was what we were arguing from day one on behalf of Rebecca Ingram, was that every single one of those orders was illegal. Now, remarkably, okay, um, uh, and I guess it was almost a year ago now, Justice Dunlop in a case called CM um, came to that very same conclusion. And that was, it. that was a case where a couple of lawyers who quite frankly uh, shot themselves and their clients in the foot, they were acting on behalf of the teachers union, trying to get an order to order all of our children to be remasked in schools. And th- one of their arguments was, effectively the same argument that I was making except from the horrible anti-freedom side, which was, oh, that order, re-, you know, unmasking kids at school can't be legal because Cabinet made that order and Hinshaw didn't make that order. So we want that order to down on the basis that it's illegal. And I'm sure thank Justice you, Gil and McGowan.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I said, thank you, Gil McGowan, for so sure bringing Justice- the whole thing down for us.
3: Yeah. Oh, no, so I'm sure Justice Dunlop was snickering into the sleeve of his robe when he said, oh, is that really what you want? Here, let me grab that to you. Let me get out my magic fairy wand, and I'll declare that order to be illegal on the basis that Dina Hinshaw didn't make that order, and the that the, the, the order was made by Captain. I, to this day, cannot believe that Justice Dunlop made that decision and made that order without knowing the implications of it for every single other order issued by Dina Hinshaw throughout the pandemic, <laughs> right? So every so, one of them. Is- and, and, and I think we have to give them credit by name. Sharon Roberts and Orla O'Kelly, um, actually unbeknownst to themselves, fought a might, struck a mighty blow for freedom <laughs> when they had Justice Dunlop <laughs> issue an order striking down the CMOH order remasking our, or unmasking our kids on the basis that Hinshaw didn't make the order. So that's it, that's exactly the decision that was followed by Justice Romaine in uh, in in our case, but to be clear, that was the argument that we were putting forward from day 1, um, you know, in the uh, in the Ingram case. I've said mm-hmm. from the outset yeah. that every single order issued by Dina Hinshaw was illegal because the uh, public health act a never intended to confer that broad of an authority on the uh, you know on a chief medical officer of health mm-hmm. and two if she were actually making medical decisions as a medical doctor she wouldn't be going into cabinet with her little cocktail list and having cabinet pick you know pick an order your, yeah. you know you know uh, you know pick you know uh, you know pick their poison from the list of options that she was presenting mm-hmm. and uh justice romaine uh, followed the Dunlop decision in the, you know, in the, in CM or the decision of justice Dunlop in CM and effectively struck down every single CMOH order um, issued up until the fall of 2021.
1: Uh, Jeff, so, how many, how many CMOH orders were there? Cause I lost track after like, 40. Oh
3: God, there were dozens. There There were dozens. Yeah. And I mean, one was you know, one was sillier than the next, yes, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, you, if you're married, you can have two friends, but if you're or you're one friend, but if you're single, you can have, you, yeah. know, you can have right. two, you know, and all well, these other yeah. things that they're literally just making up as they went along,
2: right? Yeah. So, there, there, literally could be there, there could be hundreds of these orders because, uh, and this sort of came out during the course of the case. Jeff will remember this yeah. that um, the authority. Jeff is quite correct is delegated under section 29 sub for the public health act but every other public health officer and there are many more who is acting under that authority through the law of delegation by implication all of their orders are illegal too because somebody who has delegated statutory authority cannot have superior authority to the to the person who's actually given them the authority see what i'm saying it's like if a dad gives you know, $5 to a kid to go buy candy, you know, that doesn't turn into $7 in the kid's hands. You know what I'm saying? So so actually, there could be literally hundreds of these orders, and there probably are hundreds of these orders that now today are illegal, not just the ones that Hinshaw made. So there's
3: two- Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lovely Latin phrase for that, which is uh, delegatus non potes delegare. And what that means in English is you know to those who are delegate you know those who are delegated shall not delegate right okay. so you know in you know in effect um uh the legislature conferred authority on to dina hinshaw as the chief medical officer of health and the legislature i'm sure when they passed the uh uh when they when they passed the public health act expected her to be making decisions as a doctor and they did not expect her as a doctor to say Oh well, I'm gonna defer my medical decisions to Jason Kenney, right? And delegate, you know, my you know, you know, my medical decision making power to somebody who was the divinity school dropout. Right.
0: So what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean for the for the environmental public health officer that said to me, I have all the authority as he chained my business shut?
3: Yeah. Well, that's the whole. That's the whole thing, Chris. He didn't have all the authority he needed. He had no authority to do what he did, and the order that he was operating under when he changed your business shut was patently illegal, or in the words of the court, ultra vires Section 29 of the Public Health Act. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the all of the nonsensical things and I mean think about you know I mean they put a church in prison for God's sake. Yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. What's so they mass so, a church. You know, yeah.
2: right?
3: They they put a fence up around the church to keep people yeah. from going to church. I mean all of that activity was patently illegal because it was done under the, you know the false authority of Dina Hinshaw under section yeah. 29 of the Public Health
2: Act. I, speaking of churches, can I put in a plug here? Uh There's a documentary film called The Essential Church, which the Canadian government uh, will not permit to be screened in Canadian theaters. It was made uh, by Grace Church, which is sort of the parent church of Pastor James Coates' church, which is Grace Life, the one that Jeff just referred to. And uh, Pastor James Coates and Timothy Stevens, both of whom I'm honored to say were my clients, are my clients. They're, they're featured in this film, which it talks about how uh, the, 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 the Christian church in the United States and Canada and also in Scotland reacted to and dealt with these, these, these lockdown orders. And it's an incredible story of freedom. I haven't seen the movie yet. I understand that uh, this big ugly mug, mine in the blue sweatshirt, has a small role in it. Uh, that's not a good reason not to see the film. People should still see it if they can. Uh, but you know what? The only way that Canadians can see it is uh, is if you if you contact Grace Church in California. They're allowing people to see it in churches and screen it. And actually, my own congregation in in Coal Lake is screening. It. I know there's a there's a couple of churches in Edmonton are screening it. So those of you who are out there, if you want to see it, it's called the Essential Church. There's a website called theessentialchurch.com. dot com. And you can check it out. The, it's a very professionally done, uh, you know, film. The cinematography, I understand, is incredible. I was talking with Jay Bhattacharya tonight, he was a star of our of our case, but also appears in the movie. And he was at the premiere. He says it's just brilliant. So people want to see that because it tells it tells a lot of the story that we're talking about tonight. And um, and I think it'd be very very interesting. Uh, for people to sort of relive some of those dark moments.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and maybe in light of this case, uh, maybe maybe you know they're seeing a little bit of a, of, a, of a silver lining on that cloud now. Uh, we're, we're hopeful that, that this might this could be, I don't overstate the case, but it could be a significant turning point in, in Canadian law. It certainly is mm-hmm. the first case of its kind that I know right. of, yeah. uh, a major civil case where um where the court has decided against the government and actually told the government that what it did during covid was was illegal it's the first yes. case of its kind wow. i don't know maybe wow. jeff well, has, let's, let's knows, be really knows another clear. One, let's
3: be really let's be really clear about this right everything the government did during COVID yeah. was yeah. illegal yes
2: fair enough
3: right you know the kenny cocktail cabinet the sky palace cabinet basically the <clears throat> governance of this province who was operating under unlawful authority that she did not have under the public health act yeah and you know and you know and and i have to say i mean justice romaine goes out of her way to praise dr hinshaw for her honesty and her transparency and how well she held up under such withering cross-examination and on and on on. but you know but what the, the learned justice doesn't acknowledge is that we had a chief medical officer of health that was completely ignorant, and I will use the word and say it again completely ignorant of what her authority was under the statute under which she is purporting to operate. Yeah, I mean, it's, how dangerous is that? It's one of the most grossly incompetent, you know, or one of the worst examples of a grossly incompetent bureaucrat. <laughs> You know, in in a long history of grossly incompetent bureaucrats
2: in Canada, <laughs> non-elected too. Jeff, listen, yeah. just tell us what you really think, okay? I mean, quit, quit, <laughs> well, it's family quit, friendly. You though. know, go with the euphemisms already. <laughs> it's family friendly at ten forty. <laughs> well, there's there's
1: some. Don't comments. you just love Jeff? Comments. I
2: mean, honestly, you gotta love Jeff. Rand. This is why he always gets <laughs> I, every I APP it. meeting. He, he gets he gets standing away. So does Chris Scott, by the way. But everyone, Jeff, yeah. gets a standing ovation. Yeah.
0: I got to get this out. There's some comments on there uh, specifically referring to my situation. Some people are saying, oh, but all the food you lost. Oh, but all the revenue lost. Yeah. And I want to remind people, like Leighton mentioned that we should be re- reminded of the dark times. Those things that happened to me and other business owners, Carrie included, and her friend Marla and her friend yeah. Carlos and Deb, who's on right now, yeah. are literally nothing compared to people who had to say goodbye to their parents yeah. over a friggin' yeah. iPad because the government said that they couldn't Agreed. go and hold them as they died. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the things that that demand some remedy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, a business owner can be compensated for financial loss. How do you compensate somebody that didn't get to hold their mother's hand when she passed? Yeah. There's no compensation for that. There's no remedy. And I, I don't even... That's what really got me going with this whole thing. It was about the financial thing at first and then I realized the real dark and evil things that had happened in response to this that the government was doing. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So yeah. I, I just want to remind everyone, you know, food going bad in a fridge cuz your business has chain shut, whatever. Yeah. We
2: can Well, we can I'm glad that you said that, Chris, now. because uh, you know, that's that's really the reason why 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 Jeff and I were were were, were doing this case. You know, we were doing it on behalf of people like you and the people you described, you know, people who couldn't go to church, people like Rebecca Ingram who lost their businesses, yeah. you know, people who couldn't get married, um, you know, yeah. all, all of that, all every aspect of it was dehumanizing. I know, I and degrading. know, re-
3: I, I know of restaurant owners who committed suicide because they were bankrupted yeah. you are correct. by the evil yeah. and illegal, an illegal orders.
1: Just even business owners and, I mean... We know of people. We know uh, I I was good friends with a pilot that uh, that uh, committed suicide
0: because I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It, How do you remedy that? So, How, what yeah, happened? it was so. Hang on, you know? yeah, and and there, that offers up another question: Who's left holding the bag? Because what happened was illegal. The government yeah. should never have done what they did. They took authority that didn't belong to them, and they used it to infringe on four point eight million people's rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who's left holding the bag for that?
3: Well, and, I th- and I, one of the things that I really hope is that, you know, is that this decision really strengthens Premier Smith's backbone with regard to cleaning house within right. AHS and within the bureaucracy in the province of Alberta. You yeah. know, the fact that all of us could have had our rights trampled on to the <clears> that they were by a grossly incompetent bureaucracy, you know, operating under the aegis of completely unlawful orders. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, everybody's got to start screaming and yelling at their MLAs and yeah. demanding a reckoning, you know, mm-hmm. because these people you know, like literally ruined all of our lives for, you know, for years on end with this under the stupidest of excuses. And, yeah. you know, and at the end of the day, it turns out that everything they did was illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every single bit of it. Yeah. You know, and there, you know, and there should be no amnesty. There should be no forgiveness. You know, all of these, you know, all of these people need to be rooted out of government and given their walking papers. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what, this this was in Alberta. Mm-hmm. What are the ripple effects in terms? Of, like, can this continue or expand into uh,
2: other provinces? That's a really good I'm question. Yeah. Her, yeah. Her.
3: I'm not sure what the actual pres- pre- presidential value of this case is okay. going to be outside of Alberta. Because, yeah. I mean, let's face it, I mean, Jason Kenney, you know, Shandro and Copping brought their own special brand of stupidity to public health management. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. So I'm sugarcoating it, Jeff.
3: <laughs> you know, so, Wesler, this is what you get for waking me up at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I mean,
2: Wait. He's had, he's had three or four Bud lights. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. no. no, but no, but I mean, seriously, I mean, this is, you know, like, so as far as, you know, a precedent outside of Alberta, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what the value is. Every yeah. other province and even federally, you know, they are operating under, you know, under different legislative schemes yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. he, you know, to yeah. the extent, you know, to the extent that there was a misdelegation You know, otherwise, you know, at other levels of government, it would have to be dug into on a, you know, on a case by case basis, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: you know, and certainly Justice Romaine went a a long way beyond, you know, in my respectful opinion, where she should have gone with this decision. This should have been a 10 page decision, much like the CM decision, but, you know, but Justice, and quite frankly, we submitted an argument that, you know, that she should limit her decision to Section 29 of the Public Health Act and finding that Section 29 of the Public Health Act, um, uh, that Hinshaw was ultra virus, Section 29 of the Public Health Act, because case law from the Supreme Court of Canada directs judges not to make constitutional rulings and not to make constitutional findings when a matter can be decided non-constitutionally, which is what the Section 29 finding is. So instead of a nice, clean, 10-page decision, you know, we have, and it's no wonder it took, you know, again, with respect, took a year to write, 90 pages of it, you know, is attempting to justify the government's actions under mm-hmm. the Charter, which case law directs the court never should have gone to the minute it was determined that the CM decision would apply and that the, that all of the decisions were illegal because Dina Hinshaw was acting ultra virus section 29 of the Public Health Act.
2: hmm and it is a bit of an odd decision in the sense that um, she upholds the constitutionality of legal measures that at the same time she's declared to be illegal. Yeah, um, I mean, that that's,
0: troubles me. That's, and that's, that's remarkable.
2: And I, I'd be interested to know what the court of appeal would have to say about that. There's an incoherency there. It'd be interesting to see if the house, and I, I don't know if the justice center is going to, is you know is is going to appeal you know the charter side of this and i guess jeff is going to have a conversation with rebecca ingram about that i don't know but but to me that's that's an intriguing i'm I'm a a big
3: believer and and, and i hope you can impress upon this upon your clients i'm a big believer in taking your win and going home
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah because you know and that's a good point actually everything she says um, uh about the know, Charter I, legally I, is irrelevant I, right I
3: would strongly advise against appealing um you know uh, you know 80 pages of a 90-page decision that strictly speaking are completely obiter
2: yeah they are they're right? obiter means it it, it it is of no legal or presidential value in fact there's nothing new in those 80 pages if you look at what was decided in the gateway decision in Manitoba there isn't anything that's new there she she takes the real long hard run at our at our key witnesses um and doesn't didn't like what they say and you know essentially well, and certainly you, and know, made, but,
3: you know and made a number of disparaging comments about counsel and yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't like didn't didn't like the fact that I, one of us, it was probably me, I have to fess up, referred to the gateway decision as a political decision rather than a legal decision. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, I mean, what, le- what legal decision at this level does not have political yeah, implications? Yeah. I mean, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. And she right. But, that. you
3: know, I mean, you know, I, I, and I'll be, I'll be the first to admit that I can, you know, that I can… Uh, you know, I can be a very zealous advocate on behalf of positions that I'm putting forward on behalf of my client. But I would be day, the last I mean, one to
2: criticize I mean, you for that, Jeff.
3: You know, I mean, I mean I still to this day maintain that the decision in gateway was political and not legal.
2: Yeah, you yeah. know
3: as my, you know, as much as the ninety pages, the ninety you know, I'm sorry, the eighty pages of of unnecessary charter commentary, you know, is you know, is political and not legal mm-hmm. because quite frankly, you know, the law directs her not to make comments of that nature. The law directs, you know, the, the justice not to comment on constitutional issues or to make constitutional findings where a matter can be determined without reference to the Constitution.
0: Mm-hmm. I so think this is, in what, terms this of, is what's concerning to me here. Mm-hmm. Before I close this screen, yeah. what it says there, in 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 a nutshell, is that if these orders had been implemented through the proper channel in the proper way by the proper person they would be totally fine and okay so i want to remind folks that are watching this is the this is the province and the country we live in yeah that we have the potential for the cmoh to take this type of authority and power and implement restrictions and mandates and charter er, er, infringements on our rights and freedoms with only her own statement of a virus exists as evidence. Now, Leighton and Jeff, actually, we've we've both talked about this. Um, What does the court look at when they're taking judicial notice of something like a pandemic? What do they say in regards to
3: First, First of all, Chris, I'd like to jump in and comment on that. This is why I've been so strongly advocating that everybody that has the year of the premier or their MLA
2: Froze. Yeah, I froze.
0: At oh, at the most inopportune time. <laughs> there you are. There he is. You might have to start
1: again
3: From there. Coming Jeff. to these types of constitutional interpretations.
0: We missed. We missed about thirty Sorry, seconds. Did you guys hear that, me Jeff. On
3: that
2: or no? no. We lost oh, you at it, uh, no, talking you to your MLEs.
3: Thirty second delay now because of my big mouth.
2: No. <laughs> sorry you were talking about uh reporting or talking to your mlas and then you uh and then you oh yeah
3: and and to the extent that anybody has premier smith here we need to have the alberta interpretation act amended right to prohibit judges from coming to these types of interpretations of section one of the constitution act 1982. you know there should be specific legislative guidance Demanding, reminding judges that demonstrably justifiable means that it can only be in the direst of emergencies where the province and its legislature are are at danger of ceasing to exist for that provision to be invoked as Mm -hmm. intended you yeah. know you know and you know because you know, let's face it if governments want to do it they can still do it but they should do it openly honestly and transparently mm-hmm. by invoking the notwithstanding provision of the Constitution act so we all know what they're doing and we can vote the bastards out of office yeah. if they mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. right and we and we put that argument to the court and of course it was ignored but you know specifically the you know the, the uh, notwithstanding act provision, And that this broad, sweeping interpretation of Section 1, you know, should not be, you know, should not be entertained by the court. But unfortunately, and again, in obiter, because this has nothing to do with the actual decision, you know, the court went out of its way to, you know, to say that, oh, yes. And I certainly would have given the government everything they wanted under Section 1 because, oh, my goodness, we should all be afraid of a Chinese cold butt. Yeah. Right?
0: And part of that demonstrably justified should in my humble opinion, it should require some evidence uh, supporting the government's statement
3: that it's justifiable.
2: This well, is the problem the other, with... The...
3: And the other thing that was interesting about the decision was that, you know, she commented on the fact that when she you know interviewed Dr. Hinshaw, um, you know, in camera, you know, Dr. Hinshaw, you know, could not point to any orders where, um, you know, the government imposed orders that were more restrictive, um, you know, than, you know, than was being recommended. But of course, what she, what the Justice didn't comment on is, you know, is the extent to which Dr. Hinshaw might have presented options to cabinet that were much less restrictive than the options that were applied, mm-hmm. that were still viable options. And we weren't allowed to cross-examine um, Dr. Hinshaw on the extent to which there were much less intrusive measures that she still could have lived with or could have recommended to cabinet, yeah, sure, sure. Um, because we were shut down on that point. We even brought a special application um, to have Dr. Hinshaw come back and be cross-examined on that point, and uh, uh, and the court would not entertain our application.
2: Yeah, mm. the um, so, yeah yeah that's a that's an excellent uh, point. The other thing. To consider about this um, is that the the evidence that the government produced in this case, such as it was, was it was junk. It was junk science. It was modeling, and and so it, it is concerning. It is horrifying in the concept of judicial notice. Judicial notice is a concept that uh, that is historically has been very very confined to facts that are so obvious that they do not require uh, someone to call evidence in order to, 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 to prove them in court. Um, the existence of a pandemic, the, the it being a, a serious public health risk, um, the, the fact that, that restrictions uh, actually reduce the risk of infection, that, that, they, that they prevent death All of these things require evidence, Mm -hmm. evidence that was never produced in this hearing. People should understand that there was no evidence at any time to prove those things. And in hindsight, we can see now how ridiculous uh, the government's case was because we now know that that the vaccines had absolutely nothing to do with the ending of the pandemic in Alberta. We now know that. Uh, that our population re- re- reached herd immunity uh, it, it probably before the pandemic was even declared in our province. Uh, and that there never was any need for any of this. The, the people like Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who framed the Great Barrington Declaration, were right. They were right all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know all these things now. But at the time, and this is what Jeff and I were arguing... Uh, in order to lock down, you know, four and a half million human beings uh, in, in an unprecedented fashion, that requires evidence. You've got to come forward and produce evidence. And the government never did that. And that's the thing that should horrify Albertans. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I won't say that it's a fluke. It was a it was a brilliant procedural argument that, that Jeff came up with. And in the end, we, we went with it and it worked well. We argued the charter arguments just as hard. And, and our arguments uh, and our evidence on the charter violations was far superior to anything that the government produced. Mm-hmm. And so it is concerning that, that uh, a court would go and make those statements, however, not surprising.
3: Well, and that's why I say that we have, you know, that we really need to have legislative amendments brought in. And quite frankly, to the extent that anybody listening still has the input into policy um, suggestions, For the upcoming UCP um, uh, convention or AGM, this is something that should end up as as a resolution to be considered at the AGM. Absolutely, that is that the Alberta Interpretation Act be amended to prohibit judges from uh, you know from from uh, denigrating the Charter rights of citizens of Alberta by reference to Section um, uh, One. the way, the way that they have, and yeah. further, you know, we need, uh, I, you know, we need amendments to the Interpretation Act to ensure that the property rights provision in uh, Section One of the Alberta Bill of Rights is deemed to be substantive and not procedural, so that if the government mm-hmm. ever infringes on property rights of people like, you know, Chris Scott by padlocking their business, they'll be prohibited from doing so. Under the Alberta Bill of Rights, yeah, and again, you know, one of our arguments in this case was that Section Twenty Nine, you know, was always intended to be very limited. It was never intended to lock down an entire province or completely shutter an entire provincial economy. The powers of the CMOH to order quarantines or shut down businesses was always intended, from my perspective, and the argument we put forward. As a typhoid Mary type of provision, mm-hmm. so there's somebody that has a dangerous communicable disease. They know they have the disease. They've been told by the public health office to stay home because they're spreading the disease throughout the you know throughout the community. And if they yeah. don't stay home, they can be locked up. Yeah. That's what Section 29 is supposed to do. Not shutter the entire provincial yeah. economy.
1: Yeah, just like right, what right? Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel David Redmond was suggesting, right from the
3: yes. Yes. Well, and I actually I actually spoke to Colonel Redmond uh, this evening and yeah. one of his comments was and I actually have to send an errata note to the court tomorrow. He said she wants to comment on my evidence. He says she couldn't even spell my name right.
2: <laughs> no, I wonder Van, if she could spell butchery.
0: Yeah, <laughs> church. Yeah, <laughs> <B-U-> <laughs> I better I better point something out here while it's fresh in my mind. I wanna I wanna make a note that at no time uh, has either Jeff or Layton said that you know COVID doesn't exist. Nothing mm. like that. This isn't about. Um, some weird legal loophole where you know the country doesn't exist or anything right. along right. those lines yeah. what what's happened here is they won in law on the merits of their argument yeah which is the way it's supposed to work in court and yeah. you can see it, it at least it looks to me in this 90 page decision of which i've read exactly 3% um <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty long it's a lot of reading but it looks like You know the the courts trying so hard to just make sure they say, "Hey, the government's doing their thing. They're doing great. They're doing all, but this little technicality." So you know we have to rule that the orders were illegal. That's uh, well. This is it scares me actually.
2: It is it is scary because um, a a a high ranking public official who was made the most powerful person in the history of our province. Uh, even with all of that authority, she she exceeded that authority. That's yeah. how serious it is. It wasn't enough that we, we gave you all the authority. We yeah. gave you, you, and this is the, the wording actually is, she could use any means necessary to fight the pandemic. Okay. That wasn't enough power for her. She needed more. Uh, that, that is concerning. And it is concerning that a court would con- consider that sort of a, a technicality. However, Having said that, what is encouraging about this case, in terms of its precedential value, is it is the first case of its kind in our country, yeah. where a court has correctly applied the correct standard uh, to 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 this type of a case and said, "Government, you went too far. Yeah. You, you don't. Your your power is not unlimited. Yeah. There are limitations upon your statutory power and the way that you exercise it." And if you don't exercise it properly, according to the laws that you make, the courts are going to tell you that you're wrong and that your orders are illegal. And I can tell you, you know, Jeff and I have both been lawyers in this province for over thirty years. We were starting to lose hope. We were starting to think, you know, maybe the rule of law uh, doesn't apply in this in this place anymore. And and I think that is going to be maybe the biggest impact of this decision. It's going to send the message out there that you know what, uh, courts, however reluctantly are going to apply the law to government and they are going to tell government that, listen, there are limits upon your authority. You're not all powerful. You're not God. This is a democracy. You have to function as a democracy. You have to govern yourself. You have to govern in accordance with the laws that you make. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the biggest, uh, maybe the most important thing. And and the other thing is this should, for the people listening to this, it should give them hope. I should give them hope that that there is a better future, at least in Alberta. Uh, that um, that you know what um, we're we're going to start winning some of these cases. This may I I believe this is just just as the just the thin edge of, of the wedge. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, every era uh, ends, and and we we're we're right now we're in the midst of an era. I don't know if we're at the end of it, but we're somewhere along that line where governments have have taken up a lot of power a lot of political power in in this country Uh, but no era uh stays the same just ask madonna (laughs) okay you know every era comes to an end and uh and it may be that this particular era the COVID era of of this this unbridled uh power of governments is coming to an end and you see some of the you know looking at for example mr trudeau you see the way he's being treated around the country you see his his Mm -hmm. popularity numbers you know dropping there is a a very a very strong populist movement
3: well even uh, in this country just to jump in late i mean even the national post the other day was going okay come on climate change enough already we all know that these forest fires that are burning the country down weren't started by climate change stop saying it right you know and you know people are starting to wake up because you know these Governments have just become so extreme in terms of what they think they can get away with, you know, under the name of oh, COVID COVID's going to kill you. Climate change is going to kill you. Let's declare some phony emergency and strip everybody of all their basic human rights. And mm-hmm. people are waking up to it and saying, no, 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 enough is enough. Right? The other, mm-hmm. the other thing, just, you know, to sort of jump on the point that I've been trying to make about legislative amendment. You know to the extent that justice Romaine, you know is trying to give government a how-to guide as to how to trample on us better the next time um you know we need to be pushing our mlas and pushing our premier to amend legislation so yes. that this never happens again that's and right. no bureaucrat or no government can ever exercise this kind of power ever again
2: yeah that so is that's hugely this, important this you know. is
3: not the world we grew up in and everything yeah. that they've done has been proven to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even, you know, and this case wasn't about vaccines. It was about all the, you know, so-called non-pharmaceutical interventions, all the stupid little orders that they were issuing on a daily basis. Yeah. But I mean, God, there's a liberal MP recently, a guy by the name of house father that all but admitted the reason that they won't release the vaccine contracts is because the vaccine contracts outright state that the vaccines are experimental. Then, the, the companies that produce them do not warrant them for safety because they were rushed to market without adequate human trials or human testing. And for that reason, and that's all written into the contracts. And yeah. for that reason, people can't see the contracts. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I beg your pardon. Like how many people in this province would have rolled over on the vaccine mandates if they knew that every time Dina Hinshaw said safe and effective, the drug companies went, well, not really, don't tell anybody, but no, 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 we right. don't think they're safe. We're not even saying they're effective, <laughs> you know, but you guys just carry <laughs> on and say whatever they you want, because it's all yeah. on you, right? Yeah. I mean, if people knew the truth behind those vaccine contracts, nobody would have gotten vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah,
1: agreed. Mm-hmm. So with, here, here's here's a question, I know it's come up a couple of times uh, in, in the, the comments here. So, this dealt with rebecca ingram's case proper like only hers or was it something else no
2: and, uh, uh, the yeah society, jeff represented no, me, the uh yeah, let, let me let yeah, me repeat ahead, this sure.
3: okay, okay let me repeat this one more time for okay. everybody listening yeah the in what justice romaine said in yeah. effect in her decision was that every single order issued by dina hinshaw yeah. up to october of 2021 she lists them all in uh uh, in it's called Appendix B to the decision. So yeah, yeah. every single one of those orders you is not awful. History. Every order is illegal. So it doesn't just apply to Rebecca. It's like everybody that's been charged, like Chris, with some bullshit offense under, mm-hmm. the, under the Public Health Act, how yeah. the hell can they successfully prosecute somebody for disobeying an illegal order? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's laughable now at law that these prosecutions even exist. Yeah. So yeah. they're all toast. I mean, any of those prosecutions, you know, now are effectively ended by this decision.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. First, you know, first,
1: because, yeah, you know, because
3: first, decision, decisions of court of King's Bench judges are binding on provincial court judges, where, which is where all these where all these cases start. Yeah. There's yeah. A, one of my favorite masters a couple years ago, and then I'll turn this back over to Leighton, but I just have to say it because it's pretty funny. Uh, there was a master at Edmonton by the name of Master Funda.
2: Oh, of course, the the comb over.
3: That's right. He was quoted extensively (laughs) on the doctrine of stare decisis. And, And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Master Fundux actually said in a written decision one day, he said, people need to understand the system of stare decisis is simply about precedent. He says, precedent implies a pecking order or means that there is a pecking order. And quite simply, under our system of justice, Little peckers can't tell big peckers what to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: he was what a treasure he was.
3: Oh, yeah. That's
2: awesome. What a treasure he was. Oh, yeah. So
1: again, so it affects all CMOH orders and probably everything that has been affected business. Yeah, whistle stop injunction.
0: So and again, and if, I don't know yeah. if you want
1: to just show the this CDC. might be
0: different though. This this question here. This is a different beast completely, is it yes,
1: not? Uh, yeah.
2: Or maybe it is. Argu- Argu- arguably, yes. Arguably, yeah. That that's what that would mean. Because um, if your business is shut down due to the the, the government doing something that was illegal, uh, that would come under a tort of of malfeasance of public authority. Okay, uh, and so that that there will be viable claims. Not every claim is going to be viable. It's going to depend on the facts, yeah, but yeah. that there will be a lot of claims. Uh, against the government will that will be viable uh because if they can show a direct causal link uh causal meaning you know cause and effect relationship between you know the then an illegal order or orders and and damages harm uh that was caused to a business or an individual then yes that there, there, there are going to be causes of that and I, th- I think we are going to see a rash of lawsuits over this one
0: yeah. So this is a huge can of worms is what it's kind of yeah. sounding like. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, it's
3: it's, yeah. it's I mean, it's not a can of worms, really. It's, you know, we have a justice for the court at King's Bench that did the right thing and found yeah. that every single COVID order issued up until the fall of 2021 was illegal, period, yeah. full stop. So, yeah. you know, that's, you know, I think mean, that's, you know, it's the, it's the right result. It's certainly, you know the position that i was arguing from day one uh you know in this case um you know i found it kind of interesting that justice romaine went out of her way to say that my my argument on section 29 was you know was scattered <laughs> throughout the, you, know, you know and uh uh you know uh, anyway i got a chuckle out of that but uh given that that's what we were arguing from day one, and that's what our pleadings were all about, and every document we filed with the court reiterated that position, to the extent of even telling her that she shouldn't make any constitutional rulings, and that she should only rule on section 29. Um, You know, so um, I guess if that's scattered, you know, I'm not sure what else to say about that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Good question from Lorna here. Can the government appeal the decision?
2: And it's yes, seems they like can they, they
1: can appeal anything like anything. They, any they can appeal, right?
2: I think it's exceedingly unlikely uh because they didn't appeal the CM decision, which was kind of a surprise. I don't know if that was a surprise to Jeff, but it was a surprise to me at the time that they didn't appeal that decision.
3: Well, they didn't um, but the CM yeah. decision is under appeal, and is it? it was, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, the but yeah, Sharon Roberts and Orlo Kelly are appealing the fact that the, you know, the Justice Dunlop wouldn't rule on the, uh, the, the on the, the section
2: seven argument. Yeah.
3: Right. But the, yeah. the government, but this is important. The government didn't cross appeal on Justice Dunlop's finding that right. Dina Hinshaw's order, uh, order, you know, or, yeah. you know, or, you know, Dina Hinshaw's order, uh, unmasking kids, um, was ultra virus.
2: Mm-hmm. So that
3: is dead at the court of appeal.
2: Yeah. Right? I would think so, I would think so that I would, I would, uh, yeah, I would
3: be yeah. I would be shocked if the government in this case decided to appeal something that they decided not to appeal, you know, in a very similar
2: case, yeah. mm-hmm. As, especially just to pick up on the thread of what Jeff just said, especially given what uh, Premier Smith said during her leadership campaign where she made COVID, she made a lot of public statements uh, about COVID and, and things that needed to be done, needed to be changed. And I, this this decision, uh, if she if she takes up takes it up and she has integrity and she's consistent with what she said previously, this decision will will be uh, will, will empower her yeah. to go ahead and make the type of legislative changes that Jeff talked about that would protect Albertans from this type of government overreach uh, ever happening again. That she has the authority needed. to do that, and now the court has given her. Uh, you know, essentially a vote of confidence and saying, look, and this is part of what courts do when, when, when uh, governments make mistakes and courts point them out, the expectation is that, that, that a properly uh, constituted government acting reasonably in the best interests of, of, the, of, of the voters, uh, of the electorate, is going to make changes to legislation to correct the mistake that they've made. That's part of the process here. And I think if there, that's another aspect where this decision could be groundbreaking yeah. is if Danielle Smith and her government actually take this opportunity uh, to actually make some meaningful changes to the law so that we don't have another series of lockdowns over, you know, climate change or whatever yeah. else that the Chinese come up with yeah. uh, with their next uh, with their next next uh, bioweapon.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, you know, like we and I've written about it in my Substack, but uh, you know, Theresa Tam has declared climate change now to yeah. be the biggest yes, health threat facing Canada, and yeah. the, the biggest causes of climate change are ableism, capitalism, and heteronormativity.
2: Don't so, forget critical race theory. That's in there yeah. too. <laughs>
3: well, no, but that doesn't cause climate change. That's no. a cure for climate change. Right. Right. Yes. Which yes. Which is a public health threat, so mm. they can make emergency yeah. orders to invoke, you know, to you know, to uh, uh, you know, to end able-bodied people going to work, and um, you know, uh, you know, people wanting to have families, and people actually being employed. You know, in a business that they own and control, as opposed to being a government employee working on a collective farm somewhere. Right. right? Which, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, capital, capitalism causes climate change. This is the level of, you know, the, we're paying these idiots $500,000 a year to wow. come up with this nonsense. Mm hmm. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, anyway, it's just, I don't, I don't even want to get started on all of that. It's just, yeah. ridiculous.
0: Well, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation and I would be happy to have it. However, uh, I gotta, I'm going to touch on a couple of questions here. So sure, there's been lots of questions popping up about, will this help the political prisoners? And now I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm going to say this ruling is going to specifically, uh, help people, who have been adversely affected by the mandates and restrictions themselves? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't and, and think just, that just it's to going to impact to that. that.
3: Question: This ruling does nothing for people that have been charged criminally under the criminal code. So, right. you know, it's only dealing with people that you know that have been like Chris that have been charged under you know public health order violations. So all the yeah. public health orders are toast. But anybody that's been charged criminally, you know, still has to deal with those criminal charges through the criminal yeah.
2: process. Um, unless, you, yeah. Could unless you argue, the criminal charge, unless the yeah. criminal charge is related to yeah. violation of a public health order. For example, Pastor Timothy Stevens was charged with uh, uh, Section 127, which is like a, you know, contempt of court yeah. uh, because he didn't follow the public health order or he didn't follow a release order. That That's where they can link up a public health order. So that would be the only circumstance I can think of that would be an exception to what Jeff just said. What Jeff is saying is if you have a substantive criminal charge that is not linked to a public health order, then this decision is not going to help you. Okay.
0: So this, this should help all of the pastors who kept their churches open. Oh yeah. All the restaurant owners, the gym owners, all of those types of things, business owners, individuals that, uh, you know, had committed the heinous crime of having christmas dinner with their grandparents. yeah those types of well crimes. even
2: arguably
3: yeah. you know um gathering restrictions right anybody that, oh yeah you yeah. know anybody that committed the horrible crime of exercising their freedom of association yeah. under the charter yeah. right
2: yeah um, and sadly a lot of those tickets are still ongoing that's that's kind of honestly that's kind of a travesty so uh, is, a lot of these tickets the are still the out there yeah so, they're still yeah, on yeah, the
1: so is kenny okay in actually having his sky palace
2: he would, he would have not. been okay. He would have been okay. He didn't break the law. Who knew? No, that's I guess well, yeah, I, you know, I guess he knew. He I guess he knew. knew. He knew. <laughs> he knew. He, he,
3: maybe he knew all the orders that he issued were illegal. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> right. I guess he could answer that that pink song. Who knew? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so here, here's
1: just a hypothetical. So the CMOH orders were unconstitutional. They were against the law. Blah blah blah. But yet we had trucks driving out to uh to, Coot, or to Coots uh, and to, to Ottawa based upon things being shut down on, and the CMOH orders. Yep. So if the CMOH orders didn't exist and they were unconstitutional unlawful at the time, then there would have been no reason to have anybody go down to Coots. There would have been in no Alberta. to right. yeah. Right? So you see what I'm saying is that basically if we if this ruling came in pre say January of uh, 2022, then we probably wouldn't be looking at. Well, the that's guys. a really
2: great, that's a right. really great point. But the VAX but, mandate was yeah. a
0: federal, that was a federal thing. That yeah. was the federal ministry ministry of transport.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. wasn't
3: that, that was minister abracadabra, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. 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 The rat yeah. as he's known. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, but what Kerry is saying is true though, in the sense that um. the, the, the convoy became more than just the specific restrictions on truckers. Yeah, uh, It became, it became much more than that. It, it grew into much more than that. And I'm glad you mentioned that Carrie, because um, it's worth noting that when Jeff and I went to court on this, uh, actually, I believe it was during, it was during the convoy. The start of the convoy was right when we were getting into the heart of the case in the early part of 20, 22 and it had been adjourned uh at least once or twice because we tried to get this case started in oh, no, 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 December of no. 2020. To just,
3: just, just to back up, we sure. we applied we applied for adjunctive relief in December of 2020. In December
2: 2020, and, yeah. And one of yeah. the big
3: arguments that I made in December of 2020 was that the goddamn orders were illegal.
2: Yeah, wow. right.
3: You know, Way I've been I've point. been pounding, I've been pounding that drum since 2020.
2: Yeah, there you go. And we, oh. and then after that, the the injunction was lost. I wasn't part of the case then. Jeff was. I came on in the early part of 2021. I took over from James Kitchen, mm-hmm. and then um, and then we had to wait six months. Yeah. Six months. The government was able to defeat an injunction application. With with every everybody in the province locked down, they were able to defeat an injunction application presenting no evidence and we know they had no evidence because after that hearing uh, the court gave them until July the 1st to produce their evidence. I remember that. That was sickening. Yeah. If you you need that much
0: time, that means you don't have the evidence in the first place.
2: Right. And then we, and then we had a hearing, hearing we had a hearing set for September. as
3: as As we've now seen, this entire case could have been determined with virtually no evidence. Because, true. you know, because, because the true. ruling yeah. is that, did, that Dina Hinshaw didn't have the authority to make right. the orders that she made under Section 29 of the Act. I You're guess right. the evidence we needed was simply, you know, that Cabinet made the decisions and that Dina Hinshaw didn't actually make the decisions. Yeah. But we certainly, we you know, we certainly could have gotten there a lot more quickly were it not for all of the ongoing uh, delays and roadblocks that were being thrown up by the government.
2: Yeah. Well, I think there's a very clear, that's a really excellent point, Jeff. And actually just to, to follow that up, the implication of what you just said is that the governor of, of Alberta knew very early on that what they were doing was illegal. And they deliberately protracted the case and dragged it out so that they, can, they could continue to make more and more lockdown orders and keep the province locked down. Uh, for another year and a half, or more, uh, during which time they knew that every one of those orders was illegal. That's the clear implication of the case. The government didn't didn't just find out today that their orders were illegal. They they knew that what they were they were doing was illegal back in you know at the very outset of the pandemic. Like that's going and back even further than December.
3: And and let's be clear here: the re- the reason that the government was wanting to make its decisions through the you know, through the through the Dina Hinshaw puppet, right, was that they didn't want to take responsibility for those decisions, right? Yeah. So if you call it a CMOH order, then Kenny and the oh well, we're just following medical advice. You know, these are medical yeah. decisions and mm-hmm. these are purely medical decisions. And I think it was, you know, when, when Hinshaw was getting tired of being thrown under the bus on this stuff, when she was starting to stand up publicly and say, whoa, wait a minute. Right? These aren't my decisions. I'm following cabinet direction. Right? Yeah. So they tried to throw her under the bus and then she pointed the finger back at them and kept doing it throughout the court case Yeah. The minute, we could, the minute we could get her in front of the court.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you hear that?
3: So,
0: no. I just heard a huge elephant walk into the room. <laughs> and that elephant <laughs> is the question why? So the government obviously would have known these things because they're not stupid they're not stupid people jason kenny was not a stupid man he's a very intelligent man and he knows law why would the government do this the government told us we're doing it to protect the health care system now what were they saying well you know just to, i, just I, I jump, would say just to
3: jump in for a minute chris i think you're giving jason kenny far too much credit <laughs> but carry on <laughs> <laughs> I'm i i sorry. It's late late at night, and the, you know, and like I said, you got me got me out of bed to get on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying I'm it. Maybe I'm, I you up today. I'm gonna have to call bullshit on that one.
1: <laughs> I have never seen Jeff laugh or smile as much as in this podcast.
0: Put it this way. Put it this way. If you were the government,
1: it's a Bud Lights.
0: and you had an external organization that your health care depended on a subsidy from, telling you do this or we're taking your subsidy away that's true would you not tell the people of alberta you're doing this to protect the health care system
2: if you were if you were a properly uh, uh focused politician yes if you were a person who was acting the best interests of albertans yeah. which we now know mr kenny for the most part was not doing and, um, then,
3: and let's be really clear here the government had the authority the kenny cabinet had the authority to do what they were doing they could have done everything they did under the emergency act. Right. right? But they yeah. didn't want to take responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the other issue was, and this is, you know, this was David Redmond's um, Redmond, not Redmond. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean, David Redman, uh, <laughs>
3: Colonel Redmond's testimony throughout was that had they gone under the emergency act, right, there, there was a, it required a whole of government response. And we wouldn't have basically turned our entire province over to this insidious medical dictatorship consisting of Dina Hinshaw, the so-called scientific advisory group, you know, acting in concert with um, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, threatening doctors within half an inch of their lives if they dared to question the public narrative. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Don't forget the AHS. Health Gestapo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm not saying yeah, all, all that I them, agree with what they did at all. I'm just saying that illegally. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that there was the the, the question: Why would they do this? Um, I I was privy to some information I found out a few months ago, and if and if that's correct, then our government was protecting the healthcare system by doing these things, but not in the way that people think. Not in the way that we're making sure the hospitals don't overflow. Mm-hmm. No, we're being told what to do by external organizations like the CDC and the and, and the WHO yeah. and if they don't do it then there's consequences for our health care yeah. so I, I would put forth that they were trying to protect the healthcare system not to the benefit of Albertans but to the benefit of their relationship with pharmaceutical companies
2: I would disagree with there's you my- Chris in this sense I I don't think it was well, about I, the healthcare I, I, system I, 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 you know I think it was about power I think it was about consolidation of power it was an opportunity unprecedented opportunity for these politicians to yeah. to to graft more power uh, to themselves and and we now know and it's not you know this is this is not something that that is a, a conspiracy theory we know that that many politicians perhaps most of them but at least the top politicians there's a lot of profit taking uh, from covid-19 oh, yeah. we we know this for certain now this is this is well proven uh, so, it, but I think I think what uh, what COVID nineteen presented was an opportunity to seize to seize power, unprecedented power to government. And remember, um, that's the first thing that the Kenny government did is they went in and they created these, they made these amendments to create these emergency powers. The federal government did exactly the same thing early on in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. They went in and they were messing around with the Emergencies Act, and I got cancelled because I published something online that said, I thought that the early in 2020, I thought the Trudeau government was going to use COVID as an excuse to invoke emergency powers. And that's what that's what brought the Valkyries yeah. down yeah. upon me. So I think I think the COVID for governments was about was about consolidating power and building relationships and making money for their friends and big corporate. Uh, I think that's mainly what it was about. I don't think it was about health at all in hindsight.
3: There's a good been one. paying attention. They cut off your audio.
2: Uh-oh. Nope, Will this even matter we, in the future if heard the heard.
0: pandemic but treaty hey, but goes this, ahead?
3: Just to, jump, just to jump in on that point, because I think it's an important discussion. I really think that maybe you're given a little bit too much credit to what was going on in this province. What I would like to see is a massive investigation as to the degree of negligence exhibited by all of our top health officials in Alberta, Right. You know, yeah. basically taking their guidance from you know public the public health agency of Canada and just parroting slogans like safe and effective without exercising any independent professional judgment, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, safe, you know, like where was Dina Hinshaw saying, well, safe and effective. Well, wait a minute, let me see the vaccine contracts. I wanna see what I wanna see what the pharmaceutical companies say about how safe and effective these are before I put my name on this, right? Why weren't those questions being asked as opposed to, you know, what we got in court, which is, oh, well, you know, we rely on the Public Health Agency of Canada, and they told us that these vaccines are safe and effective, so they must be safe and effective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and we all know that nothing could be further from the truth. And, you know, and yeah. again, we've now got Liberal MPs, you know, admitting in committee that, you know, the, the reason that they don't want to release the contract is that the contracts themselves expressly state that the vaccines are not safe and not effective, right. and right. that the government of Canada actually indemnifies the vaccine companies for any Canadians that are going to be injured by these vaccines that were mm-hmm. inadequately tested, on Canadian, uh, uh, tested in human trials before being unleashed on the Canadian public by forced band-aids.
0: How do we get to see those? How can we see those contracts? Is there a way for us to do that?
3: Yeah, I'm work. I'm working on it. You know, we've. Got, I've got a couple. There's a lot,
2: There are some lawyers, lawyers working on it. on it. Yeah, I've got a couple different
3: irons in the fire on that on that issue, but I'm, I'm not going. I'm I'm not going. to, I'm not going to give up until I get my hands on them. <laughs> That's for sure. There you
2: go. <laughs> so um, Chris, you had yeah. you had just be put another
0: smiling day.
1: Chris, you had posted something that said uh, along the lines of, "Does this really matter if at the uh, the pandemic treaty with the WHO?" The
2: the pandemic or... treaty is a dead letter. Uh, it yeah. was, and Western leaders can take no credit for this. There were a group of of African leaders and South American and Middle Eastern leaders who would not sign it. They okay. would not sign over their sovereignty because yeah. they don't trust the World Health Organization. They don't trust the UN. They have no reason to. Okay. And so as of right now, the pandemic treaty is a dead letter, even though the U.S. and Canada and Great Britain and other countries have signed it and okay. it, it's popular in the EU. But right now it's a dead letter. It got it got killed, thankfully, by by some some nations that, um, you know, <laughs> have, have leaders that have have more more good sense than than Justin Trudeau. And that I, I would think that would be just about all of them. OK,
0: well, and if we cool. have yeah. premiers in this country that actually stand up for their provinces, health matters are, are the sovereign jurisdiction of the provinces, not the federal government. That's right. So right. it would be yep. more difficult, you would think, in Canada, as long as the premiers would stand up for their people.
2: Yeah. Well, I think part of the problem, if you think of Alberta, you know, uh, they bragged about $11 billion uh, surplus. But but then they took, they took about $4.5 billion from the federal government. Uh, in health subsidies, so it's pretty hard to be sovereign. You know, that's like taking money from your parents mm-hmm. and, and and saying that you're living independently. You know, I think the sovereignty thing, if the Alberta government is going to be serious about it, that it starts with doing some things like we talk about in the APP, right, mm-hmm. where we we collect our own income tax and we have our own uh, our own pensions and we have our own police force, and where instead of sending all this money. To to the federal government and then going hat in hand to beg for some of it back to pay for healthcare, we simply take care of of things in our province, the way we can and pay for you know, them that, ourselves.
3: That's the joke. That's the joke of it. Like you know, if we have an eleven billion an eleven billion dollar surplus right now, you know that means that all of the oil revenues that we you know because it's a trailing average that they use for, for equalization, right. you know that means that you know going forward now we're going to be you know putting another 12, 13, 14, 15 billion dollars a year Mm -hmm. into helping Quebec have surplus budgets uh, at our expense. And, um, you know, and at the same time, as Leighton points out, you know, we're having to send 13 or 14 billion out of the province in equalization and then have our premier go cap in hand to get $4 billion back of our money to go into healthcare. Like, you know, when is this stupid shell game going to stop? That's what I want to know. Yeah.
2: When we, when stop we
0: say, it. when we yeah. say it stops, yeah.
2: Check out the APP well, website, folks.
1: Leighton <laughs> can just stand up and go like this and uh, yeah. go <laughs> off his shirt. I'm,
2: I'm showing uh, off an an my bias. I'm wearing it on my, I'm wearing it on my chest. Yeah. <laughs> APP is the solution for an hour. Now an hour we're so. hour hour
0: nine minutes into it. What Layton has said, uh, I I've been meaning to bring this up a couple times. So, The Alberta Prosperity Project, you can find information at www.albertaprosperityproject.com. We want to fix these things. Like We've talked about a lot of issues that are wrong within our our legal structure within the province. We've spoken about some of the relationship issues we have with the federal government uh, that's allowing some of these things to happen. And if you go and you, you check this out, Uh, We have some ideas, and men like uh, Jeff Rath and Leighton Gray have contributed to this project in a huge way. These ideas are real, tangible solutions that we can use to uh, create a more prosperous Alberta. And at the heart of this is a referendum on independence, which may or may not result in uh, secession from Confederation. Now, I know that's a tough pill for some to swallow, but I want to ask you this. Would you rather live under this type of thing with a federal government that can get away with this kind of thing and and put us on this, you know, these anti-human paths, certainly not to prosperity, or would you rather stand up and say enough is enough? If you guys want to go there, you Laurentian elite, if you want to go off this cliff, go ahead, but we're going we're gonna to make sure that Alberta is free and prosperous so that the people who don't want to follow your idiocy have a place to go. That's the question I would have you ask. So uh, please check it out, Project.com. And uh, there's a link on there. You can ask questions. You can leave comments. Uh, and I actually do see the contact emails. So so feel free to leave one. And uh, on that note, uh, Leighton and Jeff, thank you very much for what you've done. Uh, Jeff, I saw Rebecca Ingram actually commented earlier. Yeah, and she she said "Yeah, uh, that you're her hero amongst other things. But she said, thank you so much for taking my case on when nobody else would Um, you know you you've got a lot of fight in you you old dog and uh, it's to the benefit (laughs) of the people of Alberta same with you late so thank you very much for for being who you are and uh, fighting for the little guys and girls yeah I appreciate it
2: yeah for those who are want to take it in uh, I'm planning on having Jeff on my podcast to talk about the case in in more detail so watch for that please
3: and then just I'm gonna get a quick plug in here before the end too a lot of the policy ideas that we've i've been promoting tonight um that i would strongly urge people to get forward to their constituency associations to be formed up into resolutions for the upcoming ucp agm walter's been posting them on the app website but look for my Substack conspiracy facts with jeffrey rath and a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about tonight and a lot of the ideas that we've been discussing tonight are contained in the 19 or 20 uh substacks that i've had a chance to write this year um in between all the other things that have been keeping me busy so, which are anyway.
0: fantastic and every bit as entertaining as live too by the way
2: oh yeah no he's uh he can really he's the, the pen is mightier than the sword in the hand of uh, jeffrey rath
3: so but anyway thank you very much uh, chris and carrie for having us on tonight it was a real yeah. honor and pleasure to be here and it's uh, always nice to be able to share good news with people
2: yeah, Absolutely. love love being on the show. The really best news, it was best
1: news ever,
2: I think. Yes, awesome.
1: The last last couple of years for sure. And I I'm the really only excited one for thing. tomorrow. I'm the only- <laughs> What no Bud Light? <laughs> no Bud Light. I'll I'll give that okay, to Jeff.
0: <laughs> I had some Bud Light, but I opened up the fridge and it was something else. I don't understand. It also had a different label on it.
2: It's Your weird. Bud Light had a had a had a beard and a skirt. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah old cans yeah
2: that's right <laughs> well, i go. accepted it anyway yeah <laughs> thanks guys have all a right. great evening thank well, you so
0: much guys right. uh, on that note uh, yeah. i will say good night and thank you again and just in case you guys i don't know if you can see the comments on your end but the comments have all been extremely positive, positive and uplifting and Absolutely. everyone is thrilled well, that's uh, great. with the work that you've done yeah. so again on behalf of everybody watching and uh, me and other business owners and and Albertans that have been affected by these illegal CMOH orders, thank you very much for your service, and we look forward—really look forward—to seeing what uh, comes in the near future. Yeah, hey, just, thanks yeah, a lot,
3: stay, guys. Stay, stay, stay tuned, everybody. It's time for uh, <laughs> now. It, the it's, is. Uh, yeah. it's, t- it's it's time for some people to tighten their chin straps. That's all. Phase, I Phase Phase Two. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, what everyone, that,
2: over What out. does that
0: little dude say? And now for something you'll really enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. We shouldn't be laughing. All right. But
1: yes, I'm
3: all
0: retired. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good
3: good night. Night. Okay. Good night. Yeah. Thanks, okay, guys. Right.
0: Chris is gonna do the outro. Gotta do the outro. Yeah. I just can't yeah. find the
1: buttons. I'm gonna find 100%. it. Ready? Yes. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. Good night. Good night, Chris. See ya.